So what are you going to tell us, tough guys? My usual. Zero. Nothing. Ladies and gentlemen, it's your 12th favourite podcast. This is Pop Culture, Tyson Popplestone coming at you from the spare room in his house. Spare room What was that word? Spirinum. We're 15 seconds in, I've said spirinum when I was meant to say spare room. I usually call it a studio because it makes it sound fancier and more official, but the truth is it's just the back room of the house. I've got blankets up everywhere to try and make this sound quality exceptional for you because that's the truth with the Pop Culture Podcast. All we care about here is quality. Some of the uh, some of the loveliest forms of feedback we get about this show is man, it's such high quality. <laughs> We've never had feedback on the show, and that's the way we like it. No one's given me feedback. I did have a I, I host a running podcast as well, and I had a bloke there a couple of months ago message me and say, "Hey, Tice, um, really disappointed to hear you use the word retard on the most recent episode." I said. Uh, Really disappointed the fact you felt the need to tell me that you cared. <laughs> no, it's a sensitive word. Words are funny, aren't they? I'm not sure. That's the thing. Like, you've got to be careful because there's so many things you're not allowed to say anymore. And I'm pretty sure 80% of them are a regular part of my vocabulary. Like, I love the C word. I don't use it, I don't use it often, but when I use it, I use it well. I try and use it. I try and use it in, in highly inappropriate situations. Like, if I get home, Jessie's cooked a beautiful dinner and she hasn't hasn't heated it up quite to my liking. I say, hey, babe, you are an app. No, you can't even. I'm going to get arrested. Do you know, uh, speaking about uh, abusing your wife verbally, uh, when when our first boy was born, Jesse had to go get her nipples checked from her. I, I actually don't know if it was nipples or just the whole boob. I think it was a breastfeeding clinic because there was a, uh, I mean, there's a whole lot of work that goes into breastfeeding that you don't know about when you're, when you first have a kid, I had no idea. I always just thought the boobs were there for, for my enjoyment so that when she jogged on the spot with her shirt off, you know, it, it, it was just a good way to start my morning. Now I see them, I go, okay, well, you know, you've just, you've got two little tiny straws attached there. Uh, I'm not allowed to touch them because they're tender, they're sore. They're not for me anymore. My boy doesn't even appreciate them. He's too busy. Do you know what I mean? It's funny how things start out like that. My boy's 18 months old, hasn't been interested in breastfeeding pretty much since the day he was born and and really has no idea how much interest he's going to have in those two little bad boys that he's uh that he's ignoring right hopefully not the same ones do you know what i mean it'd be disappointed if he started to develop a real liking or appreciation for him when he was 17 it's just an awkward conversation to have with your mum mum i'm sorry but uh, look I, I know i didn't take advantage of this when i was a kid but i can i just have a taste that's that's the one question I had for you. I was wondering if I could have a taste, but you've got to get them at the right angle and everything. I thought it was I thought it was just a work in the park, like yeah, a walk in the park. You never had to you never had to convince me that it was a good idea to to, to snuggle up to them. Do you know what I mean? I always appreciated them. Every now and then, if one slipped into my mouth, I was <laughs> I was I was happy. It didn't matter. Do you know what I mean? As long as we weren't on the train or something, Jesse always found that uncomfortable. But in the right, like when the mood struck, do you know what I mean? Like if we were at dinner and uh, and no one was looking, or if she had like a, if she had bathers. When we were in Spain, she was on the beach, she started getting excited. And uh, about four weeks into our uh, trip to Spain, she was like, all right, no one's wearing shirts here. I'm just going to get mine out. I said, babe, fantastic idea. She goes, don't make a big deal of it. No worries, no big deal. So she took the shirt off and I, I just went for it. I, just, I couldn't help myself. I was like a hungry little pit bull. Do you know what I mean? Without with a bit more class i'd like to say you can't be 
for any young listeners out there, that's probably a mistake I made as a young man as well. You can't be approaching uh, the female breast as though you're a pit bull because that's actually, I'm pretty sure, I haven't read this, I don't know if it's official, I reckon that's an early sign of cannibalism. Like if you get your teeth too stuck into it and, and you really enjoy it, it's got cannibal cannibalism written all over it. I, I think I saw a documentary about it a few years ago about a Japanese man who uh, discovered a taste for it, literally and metaphorically, but uh, but mostly literally with this particular story, which is which is quite intimidating. But we went to this boob clinic or whatever it was, and and, and Jesse had to get her little weapons out and show show the the nurse how it was that she was doing her stuff and what potential problems might have been. And and she had actually just had. Do you know what that cupping is? You know where you it's like a suction cup that you put on your back. It's it's maybe like a it's not acupuncture or osteopathy. It's it's treatment, essentially. It's just physical treatment. Apparently, it brings all the blood to the surface of your back or rushes it through the muscles. It doesn't matter. Do you know, this isn't a science podcast, so I don't need to justify the story I'm telling you, but I'm just trying to offer a little bit of context so the story makes sense. I was there with her because I'm a supportive husband. and um, Anyway, Jessie had these big bruises all over her back, and about, about three days after the meeting, which I thought was probably too much of a delay for someone who genuinely cared, this lady messaged Jessie and was like, oh, hi, Jessica, I noticed you had bruises all over your back. I just wanted to make sure things were going well for you at home. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I was in the room. You can't ask whether whether your husband's bashing the wife with the, with the husband present because that's going to be an argument immediately in the way home in the car. But I wasn't. Never been interested. Jessie, I've got European blood. I've got European blood, but for whatever reason, Jessie's got that feisty gene. I'm not a hitter. Um... Not that I'd tell you if I was. Do you know what I mean? That would be a that'd be a difficult conversation to have with you guys. Like, just want to come out of the closet. I get quite aggressive. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I'm a. I'm a. I go the silent treatment. I think I'm a bit more of the feminine one in our relationship. Like, you know how the stereotype is that that women are the ones who are supposed to be a little bit more reserved. They were supposed to make you play hard to get, or they were supposed to play hard to get. If you've done something wrong, that's a hundred percent me. Jessie's the man. She's like, all right, let's just forget about it. We'll, we'll move on. And I go, oh, but you hurt my feelings so bad. You know, I'm really devastated about that conversation. She's like, honestly, can we just can we just go out for a beer and, and just get over it? I go, oh, can you just, I just need cuddles. Do you know what I mean? I just need you to give me a message and tell me things are going to be okay. She goes, you know what, for a 35-year-old man, this is an uncomfortable conversation to have, especially because your mum's sitting here at the dinner table awkwardly listening to it all take place. I said, sweetie, you know what? I just feel as though uh, you're, not, you're not really appreciating the fact I'm a physical touch man. I'm a physical touch kind of guy. People tease love languages. They say that love languages are ridiculous. Words of affirmation, receiving gifts, physical touch, acts of service, quality time. I'm physical touch and quality time. If you touch me and cuddle me and spend time with me and you're my wife, we're going to be just fine. But if you touch me and cuddle me and try and spend time with me, if you're not my wife, I mean, it's a whole other conversation, isn't it? I shouldn't have been in that situation. I don't know. I can't get myself in the little Carl Lentz pickle, as they say. The Carl Lentz pickle. Man, I like Carl Lentz. He's copped it, he's copped it sweet because he's a good-looking man and apparently he got done cheating on his wife. He's the Hillsong pastor or was. Hillsong's been under the bus a little bit lately. I don't know. I, you can't... Here's the thing. News headlines have been upsetting me for... For the last two years, just because I can never take the news headlines seriously, but then uh, a field that I'm, you know, I'm a couple of steps away from in the sense that I'm, I'm not invested in Hillsong as a church. I'm interested in them. I like their church. I've been to their conference a few times. I, I pretty much, I like what they're about. 
But then the news comes out and said, ah, oh, but now the, the head passes, you know, spent time inappropriately with the chick and the other passes, you know, hit on his maid or whatever. I don't know what the whole story is. But can you, it's hard to trust the news. Uh, we've been over that too many times. I don't want this to be a news podcast, but I'm just saying it's, I can't be too harsh on those people that I like because you don't know if you're getting the full story. I know every every three years a current affair runs a story on how despicable Hillsong is as a church because they encourage their members to give you the money. I'll give them my money. If I'm going there everywhere, I'd like to give money to causes I believe in. I'd like to give money to causes that are, that are taking up my time. So if I, if I go to a place enough or I'm getting enough value from something, I'm probably going to donate. I guess. That makes sense. I mean, if they're saying that it's that it's $25 entry to get in, I go, well, I've got the option at least. At least I've got the option. I can say, I'm not really interested. They can say, hey, no worries. Uh, God still loves you, pretty sure, even though you won't pay the entry price. But you can't come in today. It's not, That's not what's happening. It's it's say, hey, like this is a this is a, a principle that we believe in. This is something that, you know, we're gonna we're gonna help this message that you believe in being here reach more people. I've got no problem with it. It's the freedom of choice, isn't it? It's not like they've mandated that. People have a problem with mandates when it comes to church asking asking you to give your money. But the truth is, I've said enough about mandates the last couple of years, haven't I? People confuse this for a gay relationship podcast. I've spoken about mandates so much. That's the lame joke. That was bad. You ever feel something come off your, come out of your mouth and and before it's even completely out, you go, oh, I shouldn't have done that. I always do that. Too often. I said last week, because we were speaking about the Wills, the, I was emceeing a room at comedy. This is funny, I thought. So people in the comedy scene had been debating whether or not what Will Smith did to Chris Rock was acceptable. Were you allowed to do it? Were you not allowed to do it? And then they came out and they go, no, alopecia, it's a very serious incident. You shouldn't make fun of alopecia. You know, can you imagine how these people with alopecia feel if there's a comedian on a global scale making fun of someone with alopecia? And I was like, oh, <laughs> this is awkward because I thought she had leukemia and I still thought the joke was funny. <laughs> that says more about me. That says more about me. This is the last show for sure. This is the last show. I'm, I'm pretty sure. You can't, are you allowed to even say that in this day and age? Can't make fun of anyone. And that's why comedy is so beautiful. I thought, I honestly thought that when I got involved in comedy, I thought everyone would just be trying to say the most inappropriate stuff and it would be hilarious. Then I remember one time I made an Asian joke and a guy messaged me the day after and was like, dude, you can't make Asian jokes. I was like, really? Even if it's funny? He's like, yeah, even if it's funny. It's like, dude, that sucks. Then I realized that there's certain cliques in the comedy scene. Some people are allowed to make Asian jokes. If you've got any pigment to your skin, you can say what you want about any race, including whites. But if you're white, you're not allowed to say any joke about a black man, even if he looks funny. It's just, a, I don't completely understand it, which is really frustrating because I always think, nah, tonight's the night, they'll let it go. And I make a joke about a funny looking Asian man and they go, oh, you can just feel the energy get zapped out of the room. They're like, Tosh, you've got to stop calling him you can't just be running around calling them ninjas. I'm like, I, I didn't say it to their face. It was it was to you I just said it. They go, Tice, that's even worse. Like, grow some balls and say it to their face. I was like, you really reckon if he's a real ninja, I'm going to say that to his face? As if I'm going to say that. Do you think I'm, am I crazy? 
I've seen the way they work at Chopstick. It's this is the thing as well. I hate that. I heard someone just today on my uh, on like a chat group I'm on for my day trading set, uh, whatever boring information. He was saying that like stereotypes are fine. It's only if you choose to hear a stereotype as a negative thing that's a problem. That, that's a pretty good point, isn't it? Surely, in good faith, we can say anything. Sure, I'm happy for anyone to call me a funny-looking white man. Do you know what I mean? Because I'm a confident, great-looking white man. That's my theory. I don't want, if, if you disagree, I don't need anyone to, to send me messages to say you're actually not that good-looking. I, I don't need to hear it. Just let me live the illusion that I've created. I just want to. I just want to be comfortable where I am. But that's the truth. There's like you should be able to say what you want about about me. Like I want you to, but you've got to let me say it back because it's it's also funny. It's also funny. But I guess then there's the conversation around like, all right, where's the limit between what you're allowed to say and what you're not allowed to say? It's a big problem in this day and age. What's the answer? I'm hoping Elon Musk knows. Elon Musk would know. He knows most things, I'm pretty sure. Did you see he just bought, uh, I think he owns 9% of Twitter stock now. He's, the, he's the, the, the largest shareholder in the world of Twitter, which, which gets me so excited. I just saw a bloke on Twitter before saying, okay, um, I don't know if it's legit, but let's just go with it. He said, let me, let me see if I can show you. Oh, that's what I'm going to show you as well. It's still open on my phone. Uh, I've closed the tab, but essentially he said, I'm coming at you live from Twitter. There's no way I'm working for a man who is completely open to people being able to say anything that they want. As a result, I'm quitting this business. And Dave Rubin retweeted it, going, this is fantastic news from the world of Twitter. We need more people like this to leave. Interesting conversation, though, don't you think? Because I know Elon Musk is a powerful man. Have you ever seen his, his like the, the correlation between uh, his pump-ups for Dogecoin on Twitter and what Dogecoin does, I'm pretty sure, like don't quote me on this, but I'm, I'm almost certain that every time he gives it a little pump, Doge just goes through the roof and everyone in the world starts talking about it. So he's got a little bit of pulling power, but he's also he's also not whipped by the left in the sense that he's got his own opinions, he's a pretty powerful guy, he's not going to bite his tongue on something that he doesn't believe in. So surely this is good news for a company like Twitter, depending on what side of the political fence you sit on. Like if you've got uh, fluoro green hair, yeah, you know, you might you might blog about feminism. <laughs> you're aggressive. Um, there's a good chance you're not going to like it. Do you know what I mean? If you've got leg hair uh, and you're a 31 year old woman, there's a chance you're not going to like it. I'm not saying I've got a problem with leg hair as a 31 year old woman, and that could be a stereotype. But you tell me, and be honest right now with this question. Look down at your. Have you got leg hair? Have you got Have you got 70s pubes coming out the side of your speedos? If you do, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. In fact, in some cultures, that's quite attractive. I'm not sure what cultures they are, but I know that they exist. They would. They have to. All things exist in this world, so take my word for it. But I'm just saying, if you've got bright green hair, pubes coming out the side of your bathers like it's the 70s, hairy legs, and uh, you, know, you, you find yourself constantly speaking about how women are actually more important than men, this is terrible news. This is terrible news for you, I think, because here's my speculation. Now, we're going to be able to rewind the clock and have a look at how right or how wrong I was, but surely a company like Twitter, when someone has 10% of the stakes in their, their stock and the person who owns that 10% is, is fairly open about the fact that he's, he's against controlled speech and you've got like a speech company in the palm of your hand, not completely, but at least in your fingertips, 
it's going to make it interesting to see what happens with the likes of people like Donald Trump who have been banned from there because of some of the posts that he's put up. I reckon it's it's going to be interesting on a number of fronts because I'm pretty sure Trump has just launched his uh, his Truth Social, I think it's called. So he's created his own, what's it called? A social media platform, essentially so people like, I don't know, whoever wants to get on that kind of platform can jump on and say what they want and hopefully have a bit more confidence in the fact that what they say is not going to get banned. But see, that didn't work so well for DuckDuckGo, did it? I mean, I'm not 100% sure what's going on there, but DuckDuckGo is my saved browser, and apparently, I'm not sure. They're trying to, they're regulating more posts now, which I guess makes sense when you've got millions of posts coming out, but it sounds a little bit controlled. I don't know the answers. I'm just here to speculate and tell opinions. This is the, uh, listen to the theme song. Listen to the opening words of this, this podcast theme song if you think you're here for an education. You're here to hear some, uh, yeah, yeah, this is pop culture. That's what you're here for. You're here to hear a little bit of pop culture. Could be right, could be wrong. Very good chance it's wrong. But hey, yeah, let's live in the moment. Let's just see what happens. But I reckon, surely if you're an investor, you look at a company like, uh, what's it called? Truth Social or, or Truth, whatever Trump's thing's called. I don't know what the umbrella company is that oversees it. But surely if, if old Elon Musk starts welcoming people like him back to Twitter, that company dies. There's a good short. You're looking for a shorting opportunity? Listen to a brand new trader with a highly questionable profit and loss ratio. Trust me, he knows. That's one thing I've, I've really been more cautious of lately. Uh, do you know how you, when you don't know too much about a particular scene and someone hears a particular thing about a particular scene, stock, stocks are a classic example of this. Like say you're a person who enjoys the stock market or is at least open to hearing what your uncle might say about the particular stock market. I don't know why I said my uncle, it's just the first person. That, like the equivalent of your uncle, maybe uh, maybe your friend's cousin, you're at their house and he comes in, he's got a nice suit, and you go, mate, what like what do you do? And the truth is, he's a he's a school teacher, but he's he's got a passion for fashion, and he's done that. But he also he's got a side job in uh, the Australian Stock Exchange, and he goes, you want to know what I do? Why don't you just go have a look at lithium stocks right now, and then get back to me? I go, bro, that was quite aggressive. I was genuinely just trying to make a little bit of conversation. He goes, well, I'm trying to give you some financial advice. Lithium is where it's at. And you go have a look at lithium. In the last four weeks, it's just skyrocketed. And you're like, oh my gosh, this guy knows everything. The truth is, he's just telling you what's happened. So you put all your money in lithium. And you're like, because you got a hot tip from a guy in a nice suit, appears Middle Eastern uh, and speaks with a sense of confidence. And his cologne suggests wealth. And the next day, the, the, the drawdown begins. The, uh, the plummet begins and you lose all your money. It's the same with Bitcoin. The, the moment my nan started telling me that I need to invest in Bitcoin, I thought, okay, well, the pump's truly <laughs> the pump's truly happening. My nan doesn't even know how to turn her computer on. And now she's telling me how to invest and what to invest when it comes to crypto. So I said, listen here, you, you absolute bitch is what I said to her. I go, you bitch. That's what I said to my own grandma. I go, oh, you, you absolute. I'm Okay, I'm lost. I didn't say any of that. I didn't say any of that. But you know what I mean? I should have committed a little bit harder to that because it was I was trying to create a really compelling story to, to be able to offer you. But isn't that a good point? Like if you're Nan who's who's highly questionable when it comes to being able to turn on the computer without two people in the room assisting her who's telling you to invest in cryptocurrency, chances are you've missed the boat. Chances are you should be getting ready for the short. That's See, even that's loose advice. Now I'm starting to learn about this world. I'm starting to realize how much information is just thrown around freely. Do you know how many people in the last couple of years have messaged me going, bro, get on the Bitcoin bandwagon? Maybe they're right. 
But two days after they messaged me telling me to get on the Bitcoin bandwagon, the Bitcoin bandwagon, it, it plummets. Do you know what I mean? You, you lose 78% of what you invested and you're back to living in a tent in a highly desirable location, but on the street with onlookers questioning why it is you've decided to live like that with a child. That's the world we're living in though. I'm having enough trouble just getting my head around stocks without trying to figure out bloody cryptocurrency. How do you, are you a cryptocurrency holder? Are you, it's all the talk right now. It's all the rage, like metaverse. Have you noticed how often I look up at the roof like that? I often, whenever I, whenever I go back through this video at the end of this podcast, I catch myself, because I'll, I'll scroll through and I'll try and find a cool thumbnail for YouTube. And I'll scroll through, and so many times I'm doing this. And to use the word that offended the listener to the running podcast is there's a couple of photos that the, the only way to describe the look on my face is, is, is slightly retarded. In the truest and most beautiful sense of the word, I look up like this. I think it's my thinking face. I go like that, but it, I think the angle is just not that glamorous. The way that I have this particular uh, camera set up, it just, you know, it doesn't do me a whole world of favors. Anyway, where were we? We're talking about Elon Musk. We're talking about the power of free speech. Anyway, oh yeah, we got into the stock exchange and stuff like that. But are you fascinated to find out what's going to go on with Elon Musk? I like the guy. He's, he's honestly my favorite bloke with autism in the whole world. I, yeah, I said it. He's my favorite autistic person in the whole wide world. And you can say it because even if I'm calling him autistic, I'm doing a podcast from the back bedroom of my house. This bloke owns Tesla. He just bought 10% of Twitter. He currently has a car of his up in space with a mannequin in it. I go, well, who's laughing at who? What, you're really going to tell me off for saying that to one of the most successful, wealthy, most amazing human beings on the planet? You're going to give me a go about that? Come on. Surely. Surely we should understand. I reckon if you're going to measure it purely, because that's the thing. There's different ways that you can measure success, isn't there? Wealth is, is a huge one in our in our society, and rightly so. If you've done really well for yourself, obviously you're gonna probably be paid for it unless you're an artist. And even some artists, Bob Dylan, favorite of all time, pretty sure he just sold like all his work to Universal for half a billion dollars. So, I mean, there's another one. Don't don't get angry at me for having a go at these artists and businessmen, because the truth is they're not sitting in their back room making a podcast. That's me. This is the definition of an armchair critic. If you could only see this chair I'm sitting in doesn't have arms. If it did though, you couldn't define an armchair critic anymore, and not even really criticizing as much as just pointing out facts and admiring them at the same time. It's like a weird loop of insult and appreciation for these people. That's exactly how I feel. One of the best people to follow on Twitter, though. I'm not great with memes and stuff. So I think me paying a little bit of attention to Elon Musk's page, he's he's got a whole lot of interesting memes. I'm a little bit out of the loop, so I look at that and, and, and just pretend I understand... Um, What's that? All right, I've just I've just dropped my guard. I've just dropped my guard because you can't hesitate on the name of 4chan. 4chan's what I was going for. Is 4chan still even a thing? Have you ever looked at 4chan? Oh, I don't really understand. I'm still trying to figure out the, the internet, let alone like the dark web and the underweb. And like, If you asked me to buy heroin for you online, that would be such a ridiculous idea. I honestly reckon I'd end up at Amazon with like a recipe book. I reckon I'd get a recipe book. I would have been convinced that what I was trying to buy was was what you asked me to buy and I would have come back with, with a recipe book because I'm not a details person. It gets me in a pickle sometimes. It's always interesting when you are, 
when you go out for the night and you know you're not a details person my wife always gives me a hard time about it she goes babe you planted a cucumber it grew as a carrot did you read the seeds i was like ha, me scusi i go out for the night i'm kissing a pretty blonde girl come home she goes babe you kissed a pretty blonde girl I go, i'm not a details person that's that's not funny i shouldn't joke so much about um extramarital affairs like that because it's something i'm i'm really against i mean i'm not a fan of it but gee there's so much good material around that that's funny isn't it i'm not a details person yeah look you can tell by the smile on my face i'm going to write that one down because i I swear there's something there details i'm going to go down to melbourne tonight actually because uh the melbourne comedy festival is up and running and there's a there's a room they call it the Melbourne Comedy Festival after party. So pretty much things get things get really loose. They call it the bear pit. And they call it the bear pit because it's got a reputation for just being absolutely brutal. I remember the first year I got up there and I started telling a joke about my sister. And uh, she was 16 or 17 at the time. And about three quarters of the way through the joke, I, I, I sort of started to segue into the next joke. And about five blokes at the back of the room goes, mate, just keep telling us about your sister. And I was like, oh, can you just let me get to the punchline? They're like, nah, show us fun. And it was just an awkward conversation because stand-up, it really requires it really requires strategic pauses. It really requires uh, like a really good solid joke. It requires confidence of the person on stage. And when you've got five blokes who are pissed and all look a lot bigger than you screaming out from the back of the room, show us a photo of your sister when you're midway through a set and there's 100 people there waiting for the next line, it makes it hard to navigate. So I just got a little bit flustered. And I think my head, like my face just turned red. And... There's, if there's one thing you don't want to happen when you're on stage in front of a room full of people, it's your face to go red. So I tell you that to say it's been called the bear pit because of that kind of behavior over the last few years. There's constantly people there who aren't really there as much for comedy as, as they are to give people like me shit about the jokes that aren't super impressive. There's a guy, the guy who runs the room, his name's Chris Franklin. And uh, let me show you a song. You might recognize this. Australians, you should recognize this if you're a... If you're a true Australian, this is one of the uh, this is one of the greats. This song, um, uh, bloke, no. Sorry, guys. I do appreciate the fact that as a podcast, one of the uh, one of the most important factors is to make sure that talk is is happening. So I can't I can't re- oh, here we go. I found the song, but it's a it's a little bit of a take on the Alanis Morissette song. This guy runs the room. It says Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. It's funny because I think people like that, they get a reputation of being like this Ocka Bogan kind of guy, and he plays up the character. But I met him off stage the other day. He's the most lovely bloke, I reckon. He's the most lovely bloke in the Melbourne comedy scene. That's a big call. There's a couple of lovely blokes. There's a few lovely blokes. Who we, who we got there? Uh, Huey Robbo. Huey Robbo's a lovely bloke, I reckon. Hugh Robertson. Big tough guy on stage. Big cuddle bear off stage. You know, he puts on a strut because uh, why wouldn't he? He's a good looking man. He's got muscles to back it up. I like his confidence, but he's a, he's a, like beneath his confidence. He's a. I try to give him a little cuddle every now and then. Every now and then, I like to see a bloke who's very masculine, very strong, very brave. I go, come and give me a cuddle. 
and they go, mate, I'm not into cuddles. I go, come and give me a cuddle, I'm gonna to touch you on the balls. They say, that's really not a nice thing to say to someone. So, well, come and cuddle me. Do you know what I mean? Then they get the double, I cuddle and grasp. I go, bang, bang, <laughs> look how close we are now. That's how Jessie got pregnant. She was just trying to get a cuddle. I went, bang, bang, kapow, just had a green juice and just like that, I transmitted. Do you know, you can't say transmitted because it's, it's just a play on words that doesn't quite work because I just think the idea of transmitting, you know, the, the seed from, from, here we are. This is the Pop Culture Podcast. We're 28 minutes in talking about transmission, a seed. Where do you go from there? Who would believe that this is an hour-long podcast and already halfway through, transmission of seed has uh, has stumped me. I've thrown myself off. I've confused myself a little bit. And I've got to try and uh, do uh, do the impossible, as they say. My good friend always says you can't dig upwards, and I say, well, watch this. And then just keep on digging. Keep on digging. But it's a beauty. It's the beauty of this bad boy. Anyway, Jessie's going to be spewing. If she ever listens to this podcast and hears that I've said transmission of seed... I'm disappointed and I am me. It's my show. I'm choosing to leave that in because I'm a, a disgrace. Anyway, this is the problem when you rub shoulders with comedians because I, I, I went down there for half an hour the other day and I, I rubbed shoulders with Chris Franklin, lovely guy, dirty song, little bit. I come back here and, and start throwing you this information and uh, in my world it's completely normal. Who would have thought I used to be a youth pastor is a... Uh, that's never an that's never a fun way to start a, a conversation. Like when people say, "Oh, like what do you do for work?" You tell them, "Like oh, have you always done that?" I say, "I used to be a youth pastor." I say, "What's a youth pastor?" I said, "It's like a priest, but for young people." <laughs> Good luck with that in Victoria. I always have to clarify. I never touched any of them. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It was hard not to sometimes. They always say, uh, well, "You know, oh, you're a priest. That's awkward." Did you touch him? I go, "No, I didn't." It was hard sometimes. I just tucked it into my jocks. <laughs> no, that's, that's, such a, that's preposterous in its entirety is what they've told me. But uh, I feel like you need to make a joke out of it because the church at the moment has got an interesting reputation here in Victoria, and rightly so. Rightly so. I had a look at some... Uh, every now and then I, I go down this Google rabbit hole of things that are interesting. I want to share one with you. Because as a bloke who's you know got a fair appreciation for the, uh, for the Bible, there's... This, here's the thing you've got to understand. It's like a connect. It's a collection of various kinds of books. It's not. It's not just one style of book. People go, oh, "You take that seriously, do you? Oh, you're really going to believe that book, are you?" I go, "Well, mate, here's the thing. You say that, but can we just clarify a few things? What do you mean? Like, it's not a scientific document. It's not. It's. It's not like. A, it's. It's not COVID expert approved. If that's what you're talking about, which to be fair, they've got a questionable, questionable reputation themselves. So I'm not a hundred percent sure they're the ones that I'd want to fact check it anyway. But I was amazed because I found out once, I used to come into church and I was like, oh, you guys really take that seriously? That scientific book? They go, mate, do you know anything about it? I go, not really, but it's just very easy to criticize. They go, it's it's poetry. And it's like historical documents. And then there's letters. And then there's songs. And there, like, there's, a, there's a whole range of things. But with all that said, there's some funny verses as well. And I came across, last night I Googled funniest Bible verses. All right, look at this one. Bear with me. Deuteronomy 23, verse 1. No man with crushed testicles or whose male organ is cut off may come into the assembly of Yahweh. It's just interesting that at that time they felt that was necessary or a requirement to, to include in, in God's word. That's, that's what, were, <laughs> what were they doing? It seems like they all had a BMX bike 
and and none of them had brakes and and sort of that crossbar that goes atop goes across the top from the handlebars to the seat was a little bit too high and they just had a reputation for jumps that were a little bit beyond their skill level and you know abram's gone for a bmx ride one day come home bang crushed his nuts his mum said well you can't you can't go into the temple of yahweh with your nuts crushed off because it's just first of all it's embarrassing for me as your mother but second of all like look at the way you're walking you've got to stop crushing your nuts ride your sister's bike How many times does it take, Abram, for you to realise that if you do that jump and you're not wearing your shoes, at your skill level, you're going to crush your nuts, mate. And then it's just helpful, I think, to have a community leader like the, like the, the author of Deuteronomy to come out and go, hey, look, I get it. I get it. You're excited. It's a beautiful track. The jumps look good. The berms are smoothed out. I think they're called doubles. They look fantastic. The whole track is good. But let, let's just clarify something. There's a lot of blood on the temple floor. Do you know what I mean? We'll talk about the don't touch a woman when they're menstruating next week. But for today, I want to talk about crushed nuts. You're going to have to, if you've been out on your bike for the day, you've crushed your nut. Don't Don't come in. Do you know? And who? What's happened to their penises? What's happened to the old willies? The old, the old Middle Eastern sausage, as they they call it in Leviticus. They don't, but you wouldn't know what's in Leviticus anyway, because I've I've I listened to the audio version of it. It's a difficult book to get through. I'm going to be honest. So if you've actually sat through it, and you can call me out on the fact that it says, you know, the Middle Eastern sausage, credit to you, and I'll take your word for it. I'll I'll, I'll be advised by you if you say you don't like that me saying Middle Eastern sausage because it's not actually in Leviticus, I would say, hey, bravo, it's in the message version. That's interesting. There's another one that said, they're not drunk, it's only nine in the morning, which has never stopped a lot of my friends. I think depending on what's happening the night before always dictates how late it is to be drunk. Like, yeah, no one has an issue if they see someone drunk on the street at, at sort of 1 a.m. That's fine. That, that's fairly reasonable. Two's pushing it. Three, four. If you're drunk, sunrise is coming up and you're seeing cyclists ride past, you've probably pushed it a bit hard. But if you're, I guess if the night's kicked on, you've had fun. For some reason, you've had a couple of Red Bulls, which has kept your, en- uh, kept your energy sort of up and about. Uh, nine o'clock. It's too late. It's too late to be drunk. So I mean, I, I just don't think it's fair to be able to say they're not drunk. It's only nine. I think that's in the Book of Acts. But you know, this isn't a. If you want to listen to spiritual podcasts, you need to go and listen to go listen to Joyce Meyer. There you go. She's lovely. She's lovely. It looks fantastic for an eighty-year-old woman as well. You know, it does. It does throw throw the old tithe into question when you see cheekbones that high on an eighty-year-old woman. But hey, as I said, you got the option. You want to buy a private jet for your favorite preacher? You should do it. Don't let anyone stop you. Maybe God will bless it. Do you know what I mean? As long as it's uh, green energy that you're using, as long as that aeroplane is is not tapping into just that real heavy kind of... I don't know anything about climate change. or uh, It's just such a boring subject to me. I'm not even sure if you're allowed to say that on YouTube. This is my own private opinion. Obviously, such a... I don't know. I just I think the thing I don't like about religion is the same thing I don't like about climate activists activists. It's like, all right, you guys 
you guys, you're both as passionate as each other. You don't want to hear another side of a story. You're not interested in hearing what the other side has to say. You're just a fundamentalist is what they call. You're the John Piper of climate change. He's a lovely guy. He's calmed down a little bit in his in his older age, I think. But I mean, there's a couple of sermons there where he got a bit wild. He's passionate. I love a bit of passion. Every now and then a little bit of Joel Osteen sprinkled in just to make you feel good is, uh, is good. But you've you got to be careful saying uh, Joel Osteen in the world of Christianity because some of the fundamentalists go, oh, man, he's a demon straight out of hell dressed in sheep's clothing. You go, whoa, that's a weird sentence. That's a weird sentence. I hate it when people use religious language to describe a person who is doing something they disagree with. So like someone's caught out being a little bit dishonest and they go, um, yeah, no, he's a, he's a devil dressed in... He's a wolf dressed in sheep's clothing. You go, what do you, do you know for sure? How do you know for sure? I remember that was so hard when I first, like when I first started going to church, there were people um, who were so passionate about it and you would say something. I got in a couple of arguments with people. Real story, I'm not going to drop their names because they were family members. Not my family members, my wife's family. <laughs> you know? But they would send me a message and um, they, would, they would use words from the Bible to manipulate a situation that me and Jesse were in and I would message back going, Oi, I see what you just did then. You just used that to manipulate me. They go, did not? I go, well, you did. They go, oh, I didn't think you'd catch me. I thought I thought you wouldn't know what was happening and I'd get away with it. Anyway, that's so funny. Oh, man. I um Yesterday, I, I, I what is it? We've, what, what time is it right now? It's, it's 3.09. I'm going out to do a cheeky little workout once I finish here with you guys. I'll probably just go for like a, a 5K run or something. I get I get a little obsessed with workout routines. I I love just I love the different styles of workouts that you can do. Like my my general kind of uh, what do you say? My general kind of workout routine is on like a I like to balance it between flexibility, strength, cardio, get a little bit of rest in there as well. Have you heard of proprioception? Proprioception is a word I lo- uh, uh, learned a couple of weeks ago. It's like an exercise to help your joint stability and your joint strength. Helps you know where you are in space and time, which is good for like footballers and stuff. Apparently, I just I just really wanted to tell you that story based on the fact I got to say proprioception because it's an impressive word and it makes you sound incredibly intelligent. Um, assuming I've used it in the right context and explained it with the right definition, otherwise, right now I I look like a complete cockhead. Um, It's embarrassing sometimes when you go to define a word in a situation like that, and you, you instead of proprioception, you use the word proposition. You go, you don't even know what proposition means. Proprioception means, do you? It's where you put forth an idea. Um, you know, I, I can't define proposition off the top of my head. And you guys have access of Google, which is the hindsight, uh, which is the beauty of hindsight. Like I'm recording this live, you guys can just jump on Google and figure out if what I'm telling you is truth. But but I reckon my favorite workout routine I do. Oh, before I go into that, I saw a bloke down at the park the other day because I've been doing the uh, I've been doing the outdoor gym workouts lately. Because early in the piece, I put my foot down to my gym owner. I said, "If you ever ask me about my bloody vaccine passport, I'll never come here." He goes, "Toss, it's a Victorian government regulation. I'm just trying to run a business and not get fined." I was like, "You're just a pussy." And then the further it's gone on, the more apologetic I got. I'm like, Dan, I'm sorry. You're a lovely bloke, mate. I'm sorry that we were so rude. Truth is, I didn't do any of the tough talk. My wife was there and he said, hey, Jess, I need to see your vaccine passport. And she goes, look, we're not doing business with anyone who asked for that. Um, and so as a result, I've been, too, I've been too proud to go back to him and go, can we come back in yet? Are we allowed to come back in? I know the answer. We're not. Um, but just today, uh, Northern Territory, who... 
bloke who, who's the bloke up there? Is it Michael Gunner? He's a bloody, he's a psycho. Do you see some of his press conferences over the last few weeks? He, few months, he terrifies me. In the midst of COVID, he was a terrifying customer to have around. I didn't, I was getting real bad vibes there. And then Alice, Anastasia Palaszczuk, they've both just ended a lot of the vaccine mandates, but our boy Dan, he stands strong. All hail our leader. All hail the great man Dan. Surely next week. Come on, Vix. Come on, Victoria. Have you, this is a horrible thing to say, but usually my whole life I've been such a passionate and proud Victorian, such a passionate Australian. And like the last couple of years, when, when I tell people I'm from Australia, it's, I, don't, I think based on my accent and the fact that we are here, it's probably not a surprise to them, but, but we, we just had a friend and his wife moved back from Holland and I was saying, oh man, yeah, I'm Australian. This is, this is a bit embarrassing. Do you have that vibe or is it, am I reading too far into it? I know I've been a I've been a pretty harsh judge on the old on the old COVID situation, but I think rightly so, because so many people have lost livelihoods through it. Haven't they? Anyway, it's such a boring subject. I'm so over that conversation. I never want to talk about COVID again, but I will. I will I know I will, because I follow Voice for Victoria and I'm constantly fascinated to find out what's happening in Victoria. Anyway, it's starting to get back to a bit of normality. Maybe this is the proudest I've been to be in Australia in the last couple of years. Did you find that? I'm just being too harsh. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I can be a harsh judge. My wife tells me, she reckons I'm too harsh a judge on people who eat. Like in in That obviously doesn't make sense because everyone who's alive really needs to eat. Unless they're in the midst of a fast, they're the exception to the rule. But... I get so I get so over the top with with mouth noises. Do you know those people who are real clappy with their food? I just got self conscious then because we're talking about this and I, I felt myself swallowing, so I moved the microphone away out of respect for you. If you struggle with that issue, I got it. They got a name for it, but I can be in a cinema and I can see a bloke four rows up from me unwrapping a, a chalk top, and I start getting furious. It just does my head in. I'm like. There's just so many different uh, opinions that I have on the choc top situation. Okay, first of all, why why are they wrapping it in such a noisy plastic? Second of all, why have I paid thirty one dollars to get in here? That's got nothing to do with the food, but it just it set me off on the wrong foot. Like I'm just disappointed with myself. It's a shit movie, and it was thirty one bucks. And then you have those people who like they're sl- you know when the straw taps the the uh, the ice at the bottom of the cup and you're just trying to get the watery part out of the bottom of your drink and it, it's a mix between actually getting liquid and slurps mate honestly the amount of fights that I've wanted to start based on that I went to a movie back in uh, I would have been 15 with my mate and it's been an issue in my mind for a long long time I remember sitting there and he's like Tice calm down mate like what are you doing cuz cuz my my problem-solving ability when it comes to this kind of stuff is just be a smart-ass and do exactly what's not bothering them back to them. So if I've got a drink, I'll start slurping and wait for them to start looking around. I'm like, it's annoying, isn't it? I've never actually done that annoying, isn't it? Because no one's ever actually cared. But for me, what? A, there's some annoying There's some annoying meals. Spaghetti bowl with the wrong person using actual spaghetti pasta is a difficult one to get past. Especially if the sauce isn't cooked down enough and it's a little bit watery and the person hasn't ever had a lesson on how to actually trim the pasta so they don't have to slurp it in the last minute. Like that just does my head. If you've got a if you've got a noodle hanging out of your mouth and it's come less like more than half a foot down past your chin, you you're doing it wrong. Just just stop it. Like the only way for you to get that in your mouth is to pick it up by the base, tip your head back and drop it in, or slurp like a little freak. And most of you absolute ferals do the slurp option. We notice. I'm just saying we notice. 
If you're gonna eat a banana, it's a sticky kind of food. Don't, just, my mum taught me when I was three, hey Tyus, put your, chew with your mouth closed. I thought that's a reasonable request. And then I go out for dinner, there's a 37 year old man sucking a noodle which is hanging down to his belly button. I go, what are you doing, bro? That's, like how, you ordered penne. How have you got a noodle down to your stomach? Poor Jessie. She sits at the dinner table sometimes and like she'll, she'll snap a biscuit the wrong way and I'll look at her and I could just, I feel myself doing it and I look at her and I go, babe, like the look in my eye says, I'm sorry that this is such a big issue to me, but the, what comes out of my mouth is you were, you were, this is a disgrace. I didn't, this is when I said in sickness and in health, I didn't think it would get this sick. <laughs> I didn't realize it would get this bad. <laughs> Oh, she's not that bad. Jessie's actually a lovely eater. But do you, that, like, that's such a frustration to me. I remember once I was sitting at the cinemas next to a girl who was, she was having hubba bubba. A bigger girl as well. I don't know why that made it worse in my mind. But the smell of the hubba bubba, it was like that blueberry flavor. And she was really getting into it. She was doing the little bubbles. She was slapping her lips. She was making, it was, it was just a horrific experience. And I ended up just having to get up. And I just went and stood at the back in the, um, like near the exit. A friend that I was with was like, everything okay, Tyson? I'm like, honestly, I just I can't even explain to you the issue that I have here because I'm so embarrassed about how much of an issue that I've made it. It's weird. Snoring does my head in as well. Snore. Uh, Jessie at the moment, she's pre I'm allowed to talk about the fact she's pregnant officially now because we are uh, just on the weekend. Jessie did an announcement to let everyone know that she was pregnant. And I said, oh, babe, I've got a feeling not many people are going to be very surprised. And she's like, why is that? I go, I don't know. I just feel like people have just observed the fact that you're probably pregnant. She's like, how would they observe the fact that I'm probably pregnant? We haven't seen him for ages. I go, babe, people are pretty intuitive. It's so... I go, just trust me, they're going to know. And so many messages came through going, hey, I heard about this on Tyson's podcast. And she goes to me, mate, oh, oh, mate I've got to start listening to your podcast. <laughs> That's the thing. I said, sweetie, if you listen to my podcast, you would have known that I made the announcement the day after we conceived. She goes, we didn't even know that. I said, I felt confident. I just I just felt like it hit the right spot. Do you know what I mean? Green juice and push-ups. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is, but the old popple stone, uh, the old popple, I think it's the zinc tablets in, in fairness. I read on the back that apparently it's good for sperm health. I'm not 100% sure. It must be bloody good for sperm health based on the fact that the night we conceived, we didn't even have sex. I just gave her a cuddle. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Just the uh, just the power of the sperm just seeped through my skin. Just went kapow right in the ovary before you know it. Triplets. We're not having triplets. I, I wouldn't be that cool if we're having triplets. I'm To be quite frank, I'm already nervous about the fact we're having a onelet. Because like we've already got a onelet, but the second one is, uh, I mean, it's not twins because they're born two and a half years apart but or a year and a half apart. But I mean, it's going to shake things up a little bit. I feel, and my boy at the moment, he's gone through a phase where he, he likes to headbutt the walls, which is embarrassing when you're in public because I used to judge people the same way that I judge people who don't know how to eat. I judge parents who had kids who headbutted walls. I'd see that kid headbutt a wall and I was like, that parent is a retard. That parent doesn't know how to do their job. If I ever saw a kid down the street banging his head against the window, I was like, oh, someone's not spending quality time with their kids. Someone's on their phone too much. I went down the street a couple of weeks ago. Mr. Intentional, my kid just started headbutting a wall. Uh, people looking at me with the same sort of, uh, just look of dismay on their face as what I used to look at them with. And I'm going, no, no, it's 
it's it's a very uh, it's a personality thing. It's actually a developmental phase where he's going. He he's got big emotions but a small vocabulary. Do you know what I mean? Similar to me, I've got a big vo- I've got I've got <laughs> big emotions and t- and a small penis, which is it's got nothing to do with why I bang my head against a wall when I get angry. But I just wanted to share that with you. But you know, it is one of the most embarrassing things to say just to see your kid down the street, your beautiful boy, especially when you're out for breakfast or lunch, and he decides he's not happy with the the way the egg's cooked or the, the temperature of the egg, and he'll just start headbutting a wall. He's not embarrassed about what the girls his age are thinking. He's not embarrassed about what the parents of the other kids are thinking about us. He's just thinking, I'm disgusted with this bloody egg. I'm going to headbutt every bloody thing that is. He's headbutting shit left, right, and center every now and then. I'll come down to see if it's like, hey, I'll just cop a headbutt to the side of the face. That's what you call parenthood, baby. People go, how do you explain parenthood in one word? I go, headbutts. They go, whoa, that's very interesting. Is that just the way that you is that just the way that you do your discipline? I go, correct. If he's ever naughty, I'll just give him one headbutt. Uh, just one. Just one. To be fair, you don't even need to headbutt your kid because the amount of times they fall over. He ran up to me to give me a cuddle before. I was so disappointed because he never he's so uninterested in cuddles or physical affection that it just it you know, he's his, he's his mother's son, is what I'll say. Which is, don't read too far into that. Do you know what I mean? I wasn't trying to uh, just insert some sexual innuendo there. I wasn't even referring to uh, our sex life. Though you could read that from it if you wanted to, based on the fact she's 12-week pregnant, tired, and doesn't feel very sexy. Sure, one of the side effects might be that your sex life just slowed down a little bit temporarily, but that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that I'm ready to go at any time. Any time of the day, you just let me know when. I'm not saying that I'll just drop everything right now if that's what's on offer. That's not what I'm... I'm just saying that she's not a physical touch person and especially not right now when she's pregnant. Yeah. I just, I'm just i just so nervous for the day when she realises that this podcast is high quality and she comes to listen to it and she hears four years worth of backed up episodes and she's like, sweetie, we need to sit down and have a talk. I go, well, I've been, I've been talking an hour a week about this kind of stuff for the last year. You just haven't responded. She's like, look, I'm just caught up. Um, look, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Uh, we're never having sex again, first of all. Second of all, um, I don't know what second of all is. But, but Charlie, he'll come up for a hug. And, and today he ran up to give me a hug, which is what I was talking about before that little tangent. And there was a book on the floor. And we've got floorboards out there. And he ran up to me and put one foot on the book. The book slid out from under him. He fell back, smacked his head. Uh, bang, no headbutt required. Uh, that is parenthood, ladies and gentlemen. Parenthood, it is the best thing and the funniest thing all, all combined uh, into one. I'm, I'm not sure. He's the only person who can eat with his mouth open that I think it's cute because he doesn't know. Like I try and say, Charlie, eat with your mouth closed. He doesn't know those words. He doesn't get it. He's not 100% sure. He's, he's headbutted a lot of walls. There's a good chance he's, he's just not going to understand that one now. I'm really just praying that brain cells start to recover really quickly. Surely there's grace for a young kid. The amount of time that he's whacked his head uh, deliberately and uh, non-purposely. Non-deliberately? It doesn't matter. You know where I'm going. It's... Uh... Yeah, it's it's disappointing. It's disappointing. But there's hope. There's hope. I'm just trying to I'm trying to think about 
trying to think about where we find that hope. But we're on our way through. We're on our way through. So my my background, as I've told you guys before, I was a distance runner. And and for years, distance running was like my whole passion. It was the thing that I cared most about. It was the thing that I was, I was just all my time and energy went into it. I still absolutely love it. I'm a massive nerd for it. But truth is, when it comes to distance running, I I used to look at distance runners as they were they were just the coolest thing going around. I would look at a distance runner and be like, man, you are you are the king. Like if I could ever be like you, my life would be set. Usually it was people with like Australian records or they were competing at a high level on an international scale. But it's it's amazing when you're so invested in a particular scene. Uh, to see how highly you regard the people in that scene. And I, I, like, I used to always speak to people about distance runners. And I'd be like, hey, do you know Craig Mottram? And he's like the best runner Australia's ever seen, arguably still the Australian 5K record holder. And they go, no, I don't think I've heard that name. I was like, uh, second place, uh, 2006 Commonwealth Games, 1258, one of the most incredible and inspiring performances of all time. They're like, nah, no, I, didn't, I don't think I saw it. I don't think I saw it. So they're like, I know Usain Bolt. I'm like, very, very different very in fact couldn't be more different both in looks and in speed um so don't even drop that as a a point of relatability because what you've just done there is highlighted your ignorance on the sport but it's funny i've been out of the sport now for well i mean i'm still in it technically because i I coach a lot of athletes and i also uh uh, relaxed running is what it's called relaxed running Uh, i I coach a lot of athletes i put a lot of time into pre-season football work for but in the distance running scene, I can't believe how cool I used to think distance runners were. And in hindsight, look back and go, all right, well, I was highly mistaken. I was heavily mistaken. I didn't realize that ribs coming out the side of your jacket weren't a fashion statement. I thought that was just a picture of fitness. It is true. Like when I used to go back down to Gippsland to see my mum, if she ever said to me, Tosh, you look sick, it was always a sign that I was very fit because it meant that I was incredibly thin. You could see my collarbones. You could see my cheekbones. I was ready to run fast. Now if I go down there, she goes, Tosh, you look sick. I go, that's true. My son had gastro. I've been shitting myself all week um, and haven't really uh, taken a liking to a lot of the food that's been placed in front of me, which is not a go at anyone's cooking. It's just a side effect of gastro. Naturally, you don't want to eat. But it's funny because the, yeah. Have you got a field like that? I think uh, I think the comedy scene's a very similar thing. Like, there's a lot of great comedians in Melbourne who who I really respect, and I'll go to someone and go, hey, "Have you heard of such and such?" They're like, "Never heard of him. He'd be a shit comedian." I go, "Well, first of all, it depends who you're comparing him to. But you know, second of all, I quite liked his material. I thought it was quite funny." They go, "Yeah, but you've got a shit sense of humour. Like, nothing you've ever thought was funny is is actually funny." I go, "Oh my god, wow, we've been friends for fourteen years." How's this, how's this relationship maintain its strength through, uh, through what you've just revealed to me? They're like, I'm a very patient person. I was like, oh my gosh, well, 14 years of storing that up is it's a pretty tense situation to find yourself in. I hope there's no hard feelings. They're like, I'm ready to explode with anger. I was like, whoa, you really need to learn to talk about this <laughs> when, it, when it starts bubbling under the surface. Anyway, what I'm trying to say there is, is I've grown from my phase of of looking at distance runners like they're the king. But but that's the thing, there's certain pockets of people, and if you're the king of that particular pocket, you walk around like you're an absolute stud. Like the AFL, for example, that's a classic example. Love my footy, the way Carlton's moving these days. I'm starting to question the criticism I gave him after week one. I'm really happy. I know we're three weeks in. Three weeks, there's a long way to go. I think there's 23, 23 rounds, so I think technically we could still finish at the bottle of the ladder. But I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to maintain the faith that the boys have turned a corner. But 
If you're if you're good at football in the football scene, you're a king. If you're good at day trading, uh, you're the king of day trading. People look at you in that sense. But outside of that, it's amazing how few people really know you. Unless you're like a Justin Bieber. I don't know why he's always my point of reference for fame and fortune, but for whatever, it's probably showing that I'm I'm becoming a little out of touch with with what's hot right now. Do you know? I'm pretty sure Cardi B's WAP song is, is still popular. Maybe even that's outdated. Things I can't keep up with what's popular these days. The news cycle changes so fast. I'm still trying to recover from the Australian bushfires at the start of 2020. Where did that go? Already, I thought I'm still absorbing the bloody COVID news from the last two years. And then I've, I've, I haven't even began to register the fact that Will Smith slapped bloody Chris Rock. I thought that was funny last week. I got up on stage and talked about an awkward joke to start with. I said, do you guys see Jay-Z slap Kanye? Everyone was like, Then I just lied. I said, no, my wife's black. I'm allowed to make those jokes. And one guy yelled at the back, I know what your wife looks like. She's European. I was like, shut up. I'm saving myself here. It moves so quickly, which is both good news and bad news, I guess. It's it's all about ad revenue, really, isn't it? Like, I understand that now. Now that my YouTube channel, Relax Running, not this one, you guys don't give a crap about this YouTube channel. I got a, I got a new subscriber this week, and I've never been so happy. But the Relax Running one that I have now is monetizing, going, it's, it's not that big, it's quite small. But the amount that you earn from YouTube, it's better than doing it for free. And I've already started going, oh, okay, well, I've, I've seen the ad revenue coming through now. What I'm going to start to do is just make a few more spammy style kinds of videos that maybe hit a sweet spot of interest for uh, the viewers out there. Essentially, what I'm saying is my, my attention hadn't been so caught up on uh, quality as much as how many people is going to hear this particular episode and love it. And I think that's just what the news world is like at the moment, isn't it? Like the, the news world is like, all right, how can we get as many people drawn in? What we'll do, we'll put a really catchy headline which doesn't quite reveal all the details about the story. And then at the very end, we'll ask them for a subscription. Subscription. I've started the podcast with a tongue, a tongue tie and I'm finishing the podcast with a tongue tie. But that's just the way it is. Things will never be the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a flashback to 2001 for you. That's just the way it is. I'm not sure if you even know what that song was. I remember in uh, 2002 trying to explain to my mate who ACDC was. I was like, it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. He's like, that song sounds shit. I was like, trust me, it's really good. And I played it to him. He's like, this is incredible, but also completely the opposite to what you made it sound like. I said, well, that's hurtful because I've been really working on my voice. He goes, please quit. Go back to playing two square with your little gay mates. I said, they're not gay. They've got boyfriends. They're, whatever, they got girlfriends is what I was trying to say. Foursquare was competitive at my school as well. I remember one day I got a guy out in Foursquare, he slapped me in the side of the head. And I, I walked away because uh, I thought, all right, just be... The truth was, I was going to tell you just then that I walked away because I didn't want to fight. Truth was, truth was, I walked away because I thought this guy, he, he hit me with a lot of confidence, which suggested he wasn't scared of this distance runner. I went back to him and I go, hey, Bradley... If you ever do that again, I'll smash the shit out of you. And you know, the fact that they all laughed when I said it. So I thought, okay, well, that wasn't taken very seriously. I think the fact I had a I had a habit of smiling as well when I uh, when I was nervous or angry. So I don't think it was like I, I said something quite aggressive with a smile on my face. So I think they I think they just they took it as a as a joke, which was unfortunate because I was I was really trying to make a strong point to the fact that I would bash him. And you know, I hadn't heard of Hicks and Gracie at the time, but. I would have channeled an energy which I, I thought might have seen me 
get out of that particular issue uh, scathe free but that's high school for you but that's that's done and dusted 17 years ago i finished that baby 16 and a half that's incredible that time again i'll be 50 and a half no no six at 51 and a half that's uh that sneaks up on you time time goes quick when you're having fun ladies and gentlemen that that's what they always said time flies when you're having fun you know what i mean and i am having fun i hope you're having fun hey get back on kings of leon if you're if you're not on it they're they're back in that's the song of the week just any one of their songs is the song of the week go enjoy that and i'll see you all here next week (laughs) 